0: Well, Mark Few and the Zags landed their first big fish of the transfer portal season in Steel Venters, an elite outside shooter from Eastern Washington who should step into the starting role for the Zags this season. More on what he brings to the team coming up right after this. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another off-season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com right now slash college 60 and use code college60 for 60% off plus shipping. All right, the Zach's got another dude. The Zags got dudes. We're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about Roger Powell, unfortunately, departing the program to take the head coaching job at Valpo. Fantastic for him. What it means for the Zags, we'll cover that. To close out the show, we'll also talk about Taron Armstrong, who listed the Zags in his final four alongside a trio of Big East programs. How likely is it that the Zags will land the elite facilitating point guard from Cal Baptist? We'll talk about that, but we got a lead Talking about Steele Venters again, the Zags landing another dude. We spoke about him on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Zags, as well as Taryn Armstrong. So it might be worth a refresher there about those two players who could both end up being teammates in Spokane in the near future. But we'll start with Venters. Venters is a six foot-seven combo guard forward. Wing hybrid. He is originally from Ellensburg, Washington. So it is not a very long trip for him back home, Uh, not a very long trip from his previous school to this school either. He, of course, starred at Eastern Washington the last couple of years. He he originally redshirted at Eastern in the 1920 season uh, and then during the 2020 2021 season. He didn't have much of a role. He was kind of a, a developmental player they brought along, which is nice to see that in college basketball, because Gonzaga still does this uh, at, a, at a good clip, developing kind of players slowly, but surely bringing them through the system. And Venters kind of fit that bill at Eastern. Again, redshirt that first year, that second year, he he played in 17 games, about 10 minutes a game, uh, three and a half points per game. That was it. Uh, And then in the next season, he got himself into a bigger role, and he really took off in a significant way. This is during the 21-22 season. He played 33 games. He played about 33 minutes per game, uh, averaged 16.7 points, four rebounds, 2.2 assists, and 0.9 steals per game. During that season, he shot about 47.5% on two-pointers, but almost the exact same on three-pointers, a little less. He was about 43.5% from deep. And then he came back for another season and was – once again, excellent. A little bit of a dip in some of his performances. Uh, 31 and a half minutes per game during his 34 starts. Uh, came down to 15.3 points. Still excellent there. Two and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, 0.8 steals. More efficient around the rim in a significant way. He went from 47.5% uh, his junior year to 55%. On two pointers. And that's a big part of this. And I think we'll talk even more as we get further into the offseason about what vendors role might be. But if we're assuming he's a bit of a replacement for Julian Strother, which is the assumption that I am mistaking as I am making as as we're recording right now on Sunday evening. Julian Strother has not made a declaration on whether he is going to declare for the draft, retain his eligibility, whether he's going to give up his eligibility, what that situation might be. I am not expecting Julian Strother to be back in a Gonzaga uniform next season. And so for Venters, if he can be a more efficient scorer around the rim, that was an element of Julian's game that when it was on, it made him really, really good. It's like kind of 40-point games when he's hitting threes, and he's also able to get to the basket. When he wasn't as efficient around the rim, it kind of stalled his game a little bit. So for Venters, that's going to be a big part of his story is how efficient can he be as a scorer, not just from deep, but what else can he contribute offensively? That's a big part of the conversation. For Venters, again, he was 55% from twos last year, 37.1% from three. So not quite as good as that 43 mark that he had in his junior season, but still an excellent 37% shooter last year. Uh, he did it against really good teams as well. I think that's always one of my favorite things to look at when we're talking about like mid, mid-major players, like players from conferences like the Big Sky or the WAC and Taryn Armstrong, when these teams do get opportunities to play high level opponents, how did those star players do? For Steele Venters, they played Texas Tech. He had 26 points on five of 11 shooting from deep. Uh, they played Washington State twice. He averaged 23 and a half points per game against them. I think he had 20 in one game and 27 in the other game in those two matchups combined, he was nine of 17 from deep that's over 50%, that is fantastic. So a guy who has clearly proven he can hit those shots and perform well against high-level opponents even when those high-level opponents are likely targeting him as a player to shut down because he averaged 15 plus points per game in each of the last two seasons. I imagine he was one of if not the top of the scouting report and he still had success against those teams. I kind of already mentioned where I expect his role to be. Uh, I I want to make this clear. I I think this doesn't confirm that julian strother is leaving i thought that that was already likely to happen i've seen i've seen some people on on twitter make show concern that this is an indication that malachi smith is for sure for sure leaving for first of all i think we'll just get this out of the way right now players committing or leaving programs doesn't necessarily mean anything other than what we're seeing happen people made all sorts of Comments about Hunter Salas leaving must mean this. It must mean this. It must mean this. It doesn't mean anything other than Hunter Salas is leaving. Steel vendors coming to Gonzaga doesn't necessarily mean anything about Julian Strother, about Malachi Smith, about anybody else. We know Rassier Bolton is already out the door, so there was already an opening for a spot there. Of course, Dominic Harris's departure and Hunter Salas's departure has meant that the guard room is wide open, regardless of what Malachi Smith does, regardless of what Julian Strother does. I expect still that Julian Strother will be out the door, and I expect Malachi Smith to be back, but I am about 50-50 on that. It would not shock me if he departs. It really wouldn't. Hopefully, he will be back. But if not, Venters comes in as a logical replacement at that three position for Julian Strother. Again, career 40.3% three-point shooter. Career 5.2 attempts per game. So this is a guy who, who... is consistently shooting from deep and he is consistently knocking them down. Again, we've seen that he's proven it against high level opponents in the past. We have seen players from Eastern Washington succeed at the next level. Tanner and Jacob Groves are solid examples of that. Jacob Groves maybe didn't have the most successful tenure at Oklahoma, but he was a solid role player for them. Tanner Groves was very good at Oklahoma is very good. I'm not sure what his eligibility situation is. I know Jacob Groves has entered the portal and is available right now. I think Tanner Groves is still at Oklahoma. But regardless, we have seen players come from this program and succeed. So I think for the Zags, this makes a ton of sense, not just geographically, although I can't imagine it hurt that he happens to be from the area, but he fits a need that this team has. There are some some things that maybe he doesn't fit. Gonzaga needs defensive-focused players. They need people who, I mean, they were a bad defensive team last year and they lost Hunter Salas. That's not good. <laughs> it's objectively bad that they are down one of their better, if not their best, perimeter defensive player from last year's roster. Venters probably doesn't fix that issue. I don't know that one player, one single player would do anything to fix that issue, but I don't think he really moves the needle at all. It's hard. I haven't watched a ton of tape of Steel Venters. I'm not going to lie to you all and pretend that I have. I have seen him play basketball. I saw him last year at times when I watched Eastern. I've watched some highlight clips of him since then, but I you don't get a great sense of how good a player is defensively unless you pour over tape of them. And some of the advanced analytics numbers don't really love him, but those are a trickier to necessarily evaluate. In a different role, in a different situation, in a different defensive role, I, I think there's a chance that he could excel. But Right now, I think we're operating under the assumption that his primary contribution to this team is on the offensive end of the floor. He's not a facilitator. He's got a career 1.6 assists per game as well as a career 1.6 turnovers per game. So Venters is primarily an offensive, outside-shooting, floor-spacing addition. And it's something that the Zags really need. And it's something that I think he's going to contribute immensely right away. We will talk much more about Venters and what this roster looks like as we see more players in and out, which could include Terran Armstrong, which is what I want to talk about in the second segment. He would be a massive, massive addition for the Zags. I cannot tell you how excited I would be if Taryn Armstrong were to commit to the Zags. We would have an absolute party on the show. But right now, there's three other biggie schools that are interested in the point guard. How might this play out? More on that. After a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are just about here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMonte Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers into the playoffs for the Sacramento Kings. Shout them out. Uh, maybe you like Andrew Nemhard, The Pacers are doing well. There's all sorts of great zag-related NBA playoff bets that you can make. And you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. all right segment two still any patents still locked on zags I want to thank all of you for making locked on Zachs your first listen of the day for your second listen today check out the locked on college basketball podcast it's everything transfer portal updates way too early top 10s coaching carousel anything else going on in the game it is hosted by yours truly as well as my co-host isaac shade of locked on tar heels it is five days a week it is available wherever you get podcasts it is also available on youtube all right, well, let's talk Taron Armstrong, folks, because, again, we talked about him on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Zags as a potential option for Mark Few's team. Armstrong has since released his top four schools, and I, I don't want to hide it anymore, his top four schools. Gonzaga, three Big E schools. The Big East schools, Sean Miller's Xavier Musketeers. The Creighton Blue Jays, who lost Ryan Nemhard, so they are no doubt hurting for a point guard, and the Providence Friars. So I'll give you a little bit on who Armstrong is for those of you who may have missed Tuesday's episode or just want a reminder. We'll talk about each of those teams and kind of where the Zags might fit. Armstrong is considered by many to be the top point guard in the portal. Kirk Kreese, of course, has departed. He is now at uh, West Virginia after starting his career at Arizona. Uh, Caleb Love went from North Carolina to Michigan. There's still a handful of other very good point guards out there. Ryan Nemhart is probably ahead of Armstrong on the portal news right now, so Armstrong is probably second in that group. But Armstrong is really, really good. He was one of the best freshmen in the country, best freshman point guards in the country, I should say, in that 21-22 season at Cal Baptist. He played 32 minutes a game, 10 and a half points, 6.3 assists, and 5.2 rebounds. Do you know how rare it is to average 10, six and five as a freshman? I don't care if it's the whack. I know that the whack is not on par with, you know, certainly not on par with the WCC or the mountain West, or of course, any of the power five conferences, but 10, six and five, that is fantastic. Now, Armstrong has not ever really been a particularly efficient scorer. And then that freshman year, he averaged four, he shot 43% on two-pointers and only 30.8% from deep. Heck, he only shot 65% from the free throw line. So there's a knock there. That's an obvious concern about Terren Armstrong. Sophomore year, bigger expectations coming in, didn't really elevate his game all that much. His two-point percentage increased dramatically from 43% to 52%. That's significant. More efficiency around the rim, better at finishing through contact, finding that mid-range game, all of that stuff. Still averaged five assists and 4.5 rebounds per game. Three-point percentage stayed about the same, just over 30%. Free-throw percentage, unfortunately, also stayed the same, about 65%. So. There's definitely some efficiency stuff there that would have to get ironed out. Again, looking at how these guys have performed against high-level opponents, Armstrong had 24 points on five of nine shooting from deep against the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. Not exactly a powerhouse, but at least a power five program there. He also had 18.6 rebounds and five assists on the road against Washington. Again, not going to sit here and pretend Washington is an elite power five program, but a road game against the Huskies? 18, six, and five on five of eight shooting. I'll take it. I'll take it anytime. Uh, Talking about these finer four schools, a kind of a quick note on each of them and why they might be a, a logical fit. Xavier scares me here because Sean Miller is a great recruiter for starters. They're, the Xavier Musketeers are without Sule Boom, who is finally out of eligibility. He started his collegiate career at San Francisco in 2017. That is how long Sule Boom was playing college basketball, but he is out the door. Xavier needs a replacement at the point guard position. Sean Miller's offense is high octane, high tempo, high flying. Armstrong as a get out in transition uh, powerhouse, as a facilitator in that role, I think he would be excellent. I think Sean Miller is a really, really good coach for Armstrong's style of play. Xavier has talented players. They're losing talented players. We mentioned Boom. Colby Jones is almost certainly going to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. Uh, they're losing Zach Fremantle. I believe he's out of eligibility. He's been in college for a really long time, but they still have Jack Nunji. He's fantastic. I think Xavier's a really good fit uh, for, for Taron Armstrong. I thought they were a great fit for Kirk Creese. I thought that's where he was going to end up with the connection to Sean Miller as his old coach, but... He's at West Virginia. Armstrong could end up at Xavier. Creighton, of course, makes sense after losing Ryan Nemhard. Creighton was a preseason, a team that I put sixth in my way, way too early top 10 for next season. Of course, Nemhard entering the portal changes that conversation. Will they keep Ryan Kalkbenner? Will they keep Baylor Shireman, who was outstanding in the NCAA tournament? What happens with Arthur Kaluma? They have a lot of players up in the air. It looks like they might return everybody. Nemhard might be the first domino to fall. If Greg McDermott and their staff can get Taron Armstrong in the building, get him committed as a Blue Jay, maybe they can keep the rest of that core together and make another run to the Elite Eight. Providence. Providence is an interesting fit here. Ed Cooley, their longtime head coach, left for Georgetown. Fun fact, for those of you who don't listen to Locked On College Basketball, 42 years of Big East basketball. This is the first time a coach has left a Big East school to take a head coaching job at another Big East school. 42 years, first time that it has ever happened. Cooley also brought a lot of Providence players and commits to Georgetown as well. So the Providence is kind of scrambling. They brought Kim English, the head coach of George Mason, in to be their new head coach. I think he's excellent. I think he's going to do a really good job, but man, it would help to be able to make a big splash in the transfer portal season. Landing Taron Armstrong would be that splash for the Friars. And then of course for Gonzaga, you all know that Gonzaga needs guard help. They needed guard help last year. Rasir Bolton and Nolan Hickman combined for zero points in that UCLA game. They did not play well in that UConn game either. Then the offseason started. We lost Dominic Harris. We lost Hunter Salas. We knew we were going to lose Rasir Bolton to graduation. So guard play is critical. Now Armstrong is a true point guard. And so that would create a dynamic where Nolan Hickman's role would have to change. I don't think Nolan, Nolan Hickman, excuse me, would just get relegated to, to the bench necessarily there's a chance that depending on any other moves that the Zags make, he may end up being a bench player next season. But I also could see him starting in an off-ball role. And I've mentioned this a handful of times. I mentioned this as a possibility with Hunter Salas stepping into the point guard role and Hickman sliding over to the off-ball role. That is obviously not going to happen now, or at least very unlikely to happen now that Hunter Salas has entered the transfer portal. But I think it could work. Where Armstrong's a facilitator. Like, that's his. He has six assists per game as a freshman at Cal Baptist. Like, he can be that kind of player, that kind of elite facilitator at Gonzaga in the post Drew Timmy era. Let Nolan Hickman be more of a catch and shoot three guy, a more of a, you know, come off those side to side ball screens and get towards the basket type of guy. Let him play more of what Rasir Bolton's role was last year. Let Hickman do that. Let Armstrong handle the true point guard role. You're back in business. You're back in business. You got a, a pure outside shooter in Steel Venters. You got an outside shooter who also can bully his way to the basket Malachi Smith, assuming he sticks around. You have a true facilitator in Taron Armstrong. You have a Rasir Bolton type player in Nolan Hickman. He'd need the three point shooting to bump up a bit, but he was good. He was 35% last year. I don't think it's crazy to think he could shoot 38% this year, which is what Rasir Bolton shot, mind you. You got Ben Gregg and Anton Watson, assuming he comes back down on the block. You're in, you're in good business, you're in good shape. I think for Armstrong, this fit makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. High octane offense. Gonzeca was 39th in pace last year. I'm willing to bet real American dollars that they will be higher than that this year, almost regardless of what happens the rest of the offseason. I'm willing to bet on that. 39th is low for them. And in the post-Drew Timmy era, when they don't have a singularly dominant low post player, if they if they get Anton Watson, if he comes back, great. He's a good low post player, but he is not they focal point offensively the way that drew Timmy is. He's just not going to be that, and that's fine. That allows Gonzaga to be more creative, to be more open, to be out in transition a little bit more. Armstrong would fit that perfectly. Cal Baptist was 322nd in pace last year per Ken Palm. Zags again, 39th, and I think they'll be higher than that. So for him, he goes into an offense that's much more open, much more free-flowing, more opportunities to get assists, to get shots around the rim, to get open three-point looks, and that's key too because a lot of people have expressed concern about Taron Armstrong's outside shooting ability. Ryan Woolridge at North Texas was a 33% three-point shooter in his final year with the Mean Green. In his first year at Gonzaga, he was a 43% three-point shooter. I use Woolridge as an example because he is a multi-year high-level starter at a mid-major program who transferred to become the starting point guard at Gonzaga. There are not a lot of other times that that has happened. In fact, there are none that I can think of where a mid-major point guard transferred to become a high-level point guard at Gonzaga immediately. Woolridge is the example of that. Rasir Bolton also transferred in. He transferred from a high major to another high major. He also did not really step into the point guard role, but it's worth pointing out that he went from being a 31.5% three-point shooter to a 46% percent three-point shooter. There are counterexamples to this. Gino Crandall's three-point shooting did not improve. Granted, he had a thumb injury that impacted him for the majority of the season. Aaron Cook stayed about the same, but again, he transferred into a much smaller role at Gonzaga. Andrew Nemhards eventually ticked up. It took a little bit of time, but it did. He was also high major starter to high major starter. So if we're comparing Woolridge as kind of the best example of what Taron Armstrong would be, There's some significant optimism that no longer being the focal point of the opposing team's defense, no longer being option one offensively, creates a situation where Armstrong, assuming he reads play, he he uses his high basketball IQ and kind of reads situations correctly, will have a lot of open looks, more open looks than he had at Cal Baptist. Woolridge took advantage of it. I have no doubt that Armstrong would take advantage of it too. Is he going to balloon up to 43 like Woolridge did? I don't know. I'm not going to make any kind of promises there that he's capable of doing that. Again, the free throw shooting being bad is a bit alarming in the sense that maybe he does just have an issue with the outside shot. But I think if I think Taron Armstrong could come in and be a very high level point guard in this program, like a really, really good point guard that we remember for a long time, even if he only shoots 34, 35%. He doesn't need to shoot 40% if it bumps up a little bit, if he distributes the ball well, gets this offense out in transition and going, I think that that would make him a really, really fun addition. We'll talk more about Armstrong as we see how this shakes out. Of course, we hope he ends up in Spokane because I think he could be a really good starting point guard for this program in the future. We'll talk about him more as we learn more about it, but we got to talk about the fact that it wasn't quite all good news this weekend for the Zags. The Steel Venters commitment was huge. Finding out where a finalist for Taron Armstrong was also huge, but the zags did lose a coach assistant coach roger powell took the head coaching job at Valparaiso. what does this mean for the zags we'll talk about that coming up right after this all right segment three slowly is still locked on zags we got to kind of close out the show on a bit of a bummer note roger powell a beloved figure in gonzaga basketball for the last four years Uh, a excellent, excellent assistant coach, excellent recruiter, excellent players coach, has moved on. Powell was... Initially an assistant coach at Valparaiso from 2011 to 2016. That was his first coaching job after finishing up a productive playing career. Uh, he then became an associate head coach at Vanderbilt, where he was for four seasons from 2016 to 2019. And then he's been at Gonzaga for the last four years as well. He continues to kind of move along at four-year intervals. Now he's back head coach at Valpo, where he started his coaching career. It's poetic. It's beautiful. It is beyond well-deserved for Powell to move from this role all the way into a head coaching role. Very excellent to see from him. And as we've come to expect from Roger, for anybody who has interacted with him personally, who has interacted with him on social media, who has just seen him interact with players or coaches, he is a high-class, highly professional, honest, open, truthful human. And the quote that he said, I'm only going to, I'm going to read part of it. I'm not going to read the entire thing. But for those of you who have not seen his quote, I just thought it was so beautiful. And and we see these kind of quotes from players and coaches all the time. And and certainly there's an element of, of kind of PR in them, but this one felt really open and genuine and I wanted to read it. So I'm just going to quote, quote, read it right here. He says, I have the deepest respect and admiration for Coach Few, the staff, athletic department, and institution. I have grown not only as a coach, but also as a person. It's a humbling and memorable experience for me to have played a part in the rich history of Gonzaga basketball. The culture of family togetherness and excellence by the Zags is one I am excited to bring to Valparaiso University. That kind of says it all. That says who Roger Powell is. That says how he feels about the community. And I'm not seeing this for the record. So I'm not saying that this is how people are acting, but like, we should have nothing but love and admiration and respect for Roger Powell. I think it's okay to feel sad. I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel. Certainly, if you want to be sad about this, I understand I'm sad about this, that we're losing a, a important part of what has made Gonzaga basketball Gonzaga basketball for the past four years. Powell now joins what is a very impressive coaching tree from, from Mark Few, really from the Zags in general. Of course, the biggest name from Mark Few's coaching tree right now is Tommy Lloyd, Two years at Arizona, the most wins for a coach in the first two seasons uh, of their head coaching career at the Division I level ever. Uh, Fantastic stuff from Tommy Lloyd, of course, marred by the loss to Princeton uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament this past year, but still pretty clear that Tommy is, is on his way to having an outstanding professional or head coaching career uh, starting at Arizona Leon Rice has done incredible things at Boise State. They have struggled to have any success in the NCAA tournament, but they have been dominant in the Mountain West. He's been he's been the best coach in Boise State basketball history. And that's, you know, it, it hasn't been a great basketball program historically but still uh, what an accomplishment for leon rice i know that dan monson is not a part of the mark few coaching tree in fact it is the opposite but a uh, shout out to dan monson for continuing to do a solid job as the head coach of the long beach state 49ers as well now you have Norm, uh, Norman, you have roger powell uh, at valpo another mark few coaching tree likely success story i'll be watching how Roger Powell and Valpo does going forward. And I hope the best of luck to him and his staff as he continues to build that and starts, uh, embarks on on what should be a very successful head coaching career for him. In terms of the Zags, look, I'm not going to try to give names right now unless I've heard anything. If we hear rumors, if we know there's coaches they're interviewing, they're talking to, they're conversing with, we will have that here. But right now, there are literally thousands of coaches that could be in position for this job. Here are the things that I will say. I think it's important in this situation for Gonzaga to go away from bringing in familiar faces. We don't want all of our coaches to have the same connections in the basketball landscape. Right now, Gonzaga, Mark Few, of course, the head coach, been there forever, Brian Michelson, assistant coach, former Gonzaga basketball player, Stephen Gentry, assistant coach, former Gonzaga basketball player, and then you have this open role. Yes, they could go get Kyle Bankhead. Kyle Bankhead has been an assistant coach for 10 plus years. He has coached at Abilene Christian. He has coached at USF. He's coached at San Diego. He has tons of pedigree, tons of experience, well-respected in the industry, but he was also teammates with both Stephen Gentry and Brian Michelson in college. And while I don't think that that's discrediting entirely, I worry that they have too many of the same connections. I want to bring somebody in who has a full fresh list of, Coaches of high school contacts of former players, they recruited like just a new batch. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think that that's necessarily the, it's not the only factor. Certainly if it comes down to two people and they just believe Kyle Bankhead is a straight up better coach, a better recruiter, more knowledgeable about about basketball, they shouldn't pick the other person simply because they're different. I just think that that should be a a significant factor when looking at their next coach. And I think that's one of the biggest things that Powell brought to the program was a fresh set of eyes, a fresh face, new ideas, new concepts, new recruiting pipelines, all of that stuff. So I think that's a big part of this coach. I mentioned Kyle Bankhead. I've seen other people mention Gary Bell. I love Gary Bell. Do not get me wrong. I love Gary Bell. For the same reasons I don't think it should be Kyle Bankhead, I don't think it should be Gary Bell either. I'm not sure that he has made enough connections outside of the connections that Mark Few and their current staff already have for it to be super beneficial for them. You know, maybe years down the line, if Gary continues to succeed in his coaching career, which I have no doubt that he will, maybe then he comes back as somebody like Gentry did, where it's like you come back having already gained some experience in other places. That's kind of where I'm at there. If they were to hire Gary Bell or if they were to hire Kyle Bankhead, I would still be happy. I would still celebrate it. We would still talk about the positives of that. But I do think there's an element of finding somebody fresh in that regard. Also, finding somebody with recruiting chops and a defensive mind. I don't think it's I don't think it's it's secretive that those are the things the Zags need. You always want a coach who can recruit well. It's just the most important part of being an assistant coach who can navigate the transfer portal well, who can navigate personal relationships, who can re-recruit players who maybe don't choose Gonzaga, but then enter the portal a year later. Can you get that guy back? Like Those are all the skills that you need to be able to create and facilitate and have as an assistant coach. Find somebody who's really good at that and who also is a good defensive coach who can come up with creative schemes, creative stuff to do on defense, who has that kind of grinded out, hard-nosed mentality to teach players who maybe aren't as invested on playing on the defensive end how to get better, how to work on that end of the floor. Those are things that matters. Do I know which coaches are out there who fit that bill? No. Am I going to spend hours upon hours researching thousands of assistant coaches? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you all. No, I'm not going to do that. But as we see some names, as we start to get an idea of who this might be, we'll have some conversations about the pros and cons because I think as much as you know, your second or third assistant doesn't always seem like an important hire, I think losing Powell is pretty significant. And I think how they approach this role, who they bring in, is going to tell us a lot about what Gonzaga is going to look like in the future. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Plenty more content coming your way this week. We're going to continue our season in review series. We'll, of course, continue to talk about transfer portal targets for the Zags. We'll keep you updated on the NBA season as it's wrapping up and which Zags are going to be playing into the playoffs. we got all sorts of fantastic stuff your way right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags!